Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Charlie. We're excited to present this special episode discussing the state of drag in Chicago and the country. Drag is important for its role in artistic expression, challenging gender norms, fostering inclusivity, serving as a platform for activism, providing safe spaces, offering entertainment, and contributing to the cultural and historical fabric of society. It continues to be a dynamic and evolving form of expression with a far-reaching impact. We were honored to bring together three of Chicago's top drag performers, drag queens Chloe Coulet and Camilla Fox and drag king Tenderoni, to get their input and insights on drag in Chicago, the challenges that drag performers are currently facing, and some advice for up-and-coming drag performers and those looking to find more drag to enjoy throughout the city. If you pick up one of our neighborhood guides at our local businesses, you can find more information about these performers, as well as a list of businesses that you can see drag performance in the neighborhood. We'd like to thank Chloe, Camilla, and Tenderoni for coming to speak with us, and we hope that this episode provides you some more gateways to experience drag in your local community. Chloe, Camilla, Tenderoni, thank you for being here with us today. You're Thanks for having me. Silence. You're good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're looking at each other. We are on location. We're going to keep that in the episode, too. Um, yes, you are welcome to speak at this point. But I want to thank you all for being here with us today. You know, this is a very special episode, not just because, you know, we get to speak to three of Chicago's premier drag performers, but uh, this episode is tied in with a section of our neighborhood guide. So I'd love to start just by going in and getting a little intro, a little backstory from you, you know, where you're from, how long you've been in Chicago, when you became interested in drag and how long you've been performing and anything else you like. My name is Chloe Coulet. Very much am, you know, related to Shea Coulet. Exactly. That is my mother. <laughs> uh, RuPaul's Drag Race alum. Uh, I've been doing drag since 2018. It's been a minute. It feels like it's been longer than that, honestly. But yeah, I would say over the past few years, I'm mostly known for my dancing. Call me the combo queen. So if you're ready to get served up a biscuit and a two-piece, come find me. <laughs> um, but yeah, also that, I just, I love to party. Definitely the party girl of the scene. And, uh, the loud mouth, unpredictable, like put me on a mic and you do not know what's going to happen. Not even I know what's going to happen. So, Which is you why know. we brought you here and put you on a mic. But <laughs> uh, well, there you go. You don't even have to edit a lot out. No? <laughs> but yeah, uh, drag has been amazing. It's been fun. I think anybody at this table can say that it's a blessing to be able to get paid for your art and just, you know, show up and be glamorous as you want to be, be as silly as you want to be. Mm-hmm. And people love it. And, you know, like I said, get paid for it. So, I love it. It's a dream job. <laughs> Awesome. That's wonderful. Camilla, why don't we why don't we hear from you? Hello, my name is Camilla Fox. I was born and raised in Chicago. Yeah, I'm from the Korea, South Side. And I've been doing drag for 15 years. What? Oh my god. I started when I was super young, like barely out of high school. But I was also that kid that just grew up playing in heels, making dresses out of bed sheets. I would like lip sync to, I was doing drag before I knew what drag was. I was like lip syncing to like Shakira, Selena songs in the living room. And then when I got older, I started coming out to clubs and I was like, wait, I was like, they're doing what I want to do. Like, I can do that. I I signed up for amateur contest immediately, did not win, but I got out there. And like, ever since then, I just have not stopped. And I think it's, we're really lucky that we do get to do drag and we get celebrated for being us. And it's great. Yeah. And I'm known for being quite stunning. (laughs) (laughs) I can attest to that. Everyone here is gorgeous. (laughs) What's funny is that like when I, before I started drag, I was at Roscoe's and you were the first drag queen I met and spoke to. And so now I'm here working with her. It's Mm -hmm. kind of crazy full circle circle moment, right? Well, it speaks to the community too, I think, mm-hmm. and obviously we'll we'll get into that more. Yeah, Tenderoni, why don't we hear a little bit about you? Okay, well, my name is Tenderoni. I'm originally from Springfield, Massachusetts, but I've been living in Chicago for around ten years. I've been doing drag for around seven years. Y'all saw the OG Tenderoni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did. Um, I became interested in drag honestly when I was younger. My mom 
I did not have any restriction on what I could watch. And my mom let me watch The Birdcage, To Wong Fu, all these drag movies from the 90s. And that is what inspired me to do drag. I wanted to be the dancer that was with all the queens at the ending of The Birdcage. Go watch it <laughs> if you've never seen it, because that's my drag inspiration. I just always loved drag. It just seemed like so much fun. And it wasn't until I moved to Chicago and actually saw my first drag king here, Dusty Ball, shout out, hey. <laughs> uh, was when I was like, wait a second, maybe I could do this. I do have a little bit of history performing. I was a Michael Jackson impersonator when I was in high school. So that I guess that was the first time I was doing <laughs> drag. That checks out, yeah. Look at my yearbook, it says like, my name in this is Michael Jackson underneath it. <laughs> and it was quite uh, funny because I didn't go to high school in the 80s. I went to the high school in the early 2000s. So. It wasn't the (laughs) highest, uh, you know, Michael Jackson era. Okay. (laughs) But um, I love something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why not use what you're working with? I love doing drag. I love where drag has brought me. I love all the people I got to meet by doing drag. And I love all the opportunities I get for myself and I get to give to other people by doing drag. So, I mean, I just love drag, period. Well, you know, I'd love to sort of jump into our conversation here then, because we talked before the recording sort of about what we want this episode to be and what we want, you know, specifically wanting to hear from you on the state of drag in Andersonville, in Chicago and in the world, too. So, you know, one of my first things that I was thinking is I you know, I moved here from an East Coast city where... After moving to moving to Chicago, the city's this city's very very different from uh, a lot of other places when it comes to an LGBTQIA plus community as well. It's something I definitely noticed very quickly after moving here and being gay. That was a oh my gosh, I can be a person here. So Chicago seems to be a city that you know makes drag performance more accessible to a large community more than you might find in other cities. As prominent figures in the Chicago drag scene, I'd love to hear your insights on how Chicago has embraced and supported the drag community. You know, how has being a part of it shaped your experience and what distinguishes it from other scenes or other places that you've been to either witness performance, to view performances as an attendee or as a performer? So, I mean, I'd love to just hear from you on. So for me, I started performing when I was very young. I think I was like 18, maybe going on 19 years old. And that's because back in the day, there was like 18 over gay clubs that we could go to as like young teenagers, like figuring ourselves out, finding our place in the world and doing all that. And if it wasn't for older drag queens at that time that were much more established, like seeing something special in me, encouraging me to keep going, I don't think I would have kept going with drag because my first booking happened like the night after I did that, like that amateur competition show, like they're like, you should keep performing. Like you should really keep going with this. And I feel like when Chloe brought that up, I'm like, yeah, because someone gave me that. Someone gave me that encouragement. So I'm able to give it to other people like I did to Chloe and like not only her, just like other performers. Like I'm able to encourage them because I've had that encouragement for myself. I think that's very special because I hear like horror stories about doing drag in other cities about how it's like so cutthroat. And I think that we're really lucky in Chicago that, we do have a community. There's a lot of infighting in the community, but we do have a community. And for the most part, we do look out for each other and create opportunities for ourselves and each other. That's very <laughs> true. It's like we have to, at some point, we have to be the change for our community, which is hard, you know, because you fight so hard to get noticed by everyone around you, your peers that are, you know, shaping the scene. Mm-hmm. And at at some point you kind of have to like switch gears and you have to be the one that's progressing it because if you don't then it just becomes a mess you know so you know it's nice to have people look up to yeah i agree i think the cool thing about chicago is that there's so much drag here and there's so many there's so many different people in different levels of their career here so like camilla and chloe said like there are so many like Older performers take on younger performers. There's a lot of drag families here. There's a lot of encouragement from the inside. And like there is infighting, but it's always like in every dysfunctional family, there's infighting. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, we fight amongst each other. But if someone tries to come for for us, that's not from Chicago, we will band together. Oh, careful which one. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go through the likes. Hold on. 
asking about verification. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even just speaking of Twitter, though, I think that's one of the things that you do. I've seen here that's interesting is when news goes around, whatever it may be about something positive or something negative, there's communication. If someone's asking for advice or support, I, you'll see people responding in turn and, and providing their insight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always communicating with each other to make sure you're all feeling safe and supported, it sounds like. Oh, exactly. We've had many uh, green room chats, <laughs> uh, you know, after brunch, during the gig, after the gig, after a few drinks. We talk. We definitely do talk. If you don't see it online, uh, we definitely having conversations with each other. So there's always constant communication going on within the scene. Yeah. And then uh, Tenderoni made a good point. There's so many drag queens here or drag performers here and so many different levels in their career that you can hang out with the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race mm -hmm. at a bar, but also be like someone that was just starting doing their first show ever. And like, you see them all there. And I think something that makes it really special is that, you know, we all have experiences in different things. So like, I can like text Chloe like, hey, I'm starting a new show. Can I ask you about like, you know, budgeting? Can I ask you about this or like whatever? And she can give me info about that. And then she can also like ask me things because yes, we're like established, but we're also just in different places everywhere. And there's so much information that can be shared with each other. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think the word is that I'm looking for is like, we don't gatekeep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, I mean, and that's a very popular word these days for a lot of, for, for, I mean, for, for when it comes to a lot of rights issues as well, too. And it's nice to hear the community not like specifically not doing that to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -mm. that's a I mean, and that's a very popular word these days for a lot of for, for, I mean, for, for when it comes to a lot of rights issues as well, too. And it's nice to hear the community not like specifically not doing that to each other. Mm. I mean, maybe I'll gatekeep like my perfume because I don't want to just. <laughs> <laughs> but that's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like, I'll help you out. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just I just did like a beard tutorial on my social media yes. and it's gotten big and people have messaged me like, why are you so people your secrets and it's like dude like <laughs> i mean i this might be different but like as a drag king there's not a lot of resources for us as performers it's, it's so i mean for me to be in the place i am in my career i'm like why not help younger drag kings with a step forward in their makeup or something because it's like i didn't have that when i was coming up and i would like like to be the person that gives it like the opportunity to someone else to try it out like it's not that serious if you're good and secure at what you do you don't shouldn't have a problem with sharing your knowledge and that's no period yeah okay. I, I feel like you know you can give them the tools but they're not gonna have the skills that you have exactly yeah exactly but i will say also i did once like a, a drag king look and i called tenoroni i'm like yo i need help what, what is going on? what can i do to like butch it up a little bit <laughs> Yes, because I'm so much in drag. <laughs> so if anything, then Chicago seems like it's a good, it is a good place for aspiring performers to start out. I mean, you're all, you've been very supportive of each other that if people had questions or they, they weren't sure where to start or they didn't know what to do, that you, they could reach out to you and you'd be happy to talk to them or offer some insight or some advice. Well, I mean, yes, but also like a random person that's asking me a million questions. I'm like, oh my there god, fair point. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's always that one that that one person that just comes to the club after just like, hey, um, so I put on my first wig, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> so let me rephrase that then. Let me rephrase that then. What advice do you have for aspiring performers that are looking to break into the scene and either might not know how, but also maybe just have some self-consciousness that's preventing them from doing it i mean what how you've you've spoken a little bit about how you got into drag but i think you know for a lot of people that maybe are still figuring out not just how to get into the industry but how to accept it themselves that it's something they love to do what can you say to these people oh i know I it's mean, a big question no i mean well yes it, it's like you can really keep it simple or you can really go into like depth about it i think for me what i can say because it's so weird for me to answer this question <laughs> it's just so weird being on the other side now but um <laughs> i remember when i spoke to camilla when i spoke to olasia when i spoke to like a lot of queens uh before i started they always told me like you just got to do it you just got to go for it mm -hmm. and, and you know it's nothing you can do to prevent the fact that you're gonna mess up you know your wig is probably gonna come off like, I mean, to be honest, how I did a, a college gig and it was probably the worst performance of my entire life. Everything that went bad <laughs> went bad. But it's like you have to learn and you have to keep going. And even when you get it down, that still won't stop you from messing up. So you just got to go for it. You got to do it. But from a performance tip, because that's where I excel, uh, take your time. 
you know, like being on stage is very overwhelming for a lot of people. And I see people getting their heads a lot. Take your time. You know, they're there for a reason. They're there to watch you. So make them wait. Give them a show. But like, yes. don't go too crazy. You see yes. girls get up there and it's just like, <laughs> I need you to they go. Right. It's like, and you told me that. You was like, slow down and, you know, just be in the moment. Let your moves have their moment and then engage with the audience. Yes. So that, you know, see, there you go. Look, oh my God. Oh my, that <laughs> was like that. word for word. Exactly. <laughs> word for word. I still say that to this day. Like, it's such good advice. But that's for me. Yeah. I think uh, if you're like very beginning, you think you want to do drag, I would say before you go out there and like expose yourself to the world, practice at your house. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, walk around in heels if that's what you're going to wear or whatever you feel like your drag like wants to let out. Do it at home. Practice your makeup. Practice what it feels like to wear a wig because let me tell you, wearing a wig is not the like most comfortable thing. It is like wearing a sweater on your head. (laughs) You know, unless it's human. Like (laughs) wearing heels is not comfortable. And I always see like, you know, like the girls on Pride, like, yeah, I'm going to wear these platform heels. I'm like, to walk uh, outside okay so like practice and then go out into the world so that way you're not like figuring it out walking like a deer at the club and you're you're more ready like to make connections with people and you don't have to be drunk because i feel like that's another thing that like is a downfall for a lot of like new drag performers they don't have confidence so they start drinking heavily and then you're just a mess and you didn't do anything you didn't accomplish anything besides mm-hmm. being drunk at the club i want to imagine that's a dangerous <laughs> slide yeah know, yeah i was start. like that can mm-hmm. lead to a dangerous because then if you just associate being in drag with being drunk mm-hmm. that's not a fun lifestyle yeah. we know those girls we know those girls <laughs> <laughs> well, so tenderoni what about for drag kings because as you mentioned you know there aren't as many resources for yeah, drag I mean, kings for drag kings i think you you really got to do your research Use social media, use YouTube, use hashtags. I mean, drag kings on social media, we love to use hashtag drag king literally. (laughs) And you can find so many different like videos, tutorials. Locally, you can actually, a local drag king that does an open stage is Luca Me. He does one of the only open stages in Chicago at Charlie's every Sunday. It's called Queried. And if you want to start drag without the pressure of a competition or the pressure of, you know, there's some big names in this room or like, you know, you're scared. Go to this query, sign up for it. He does it every week. And it's a great place to start drag without that pressure, yeah. you know, to perfect your craft, to kind of learn, you make mistakes. I mean, another thing that I like to say to people, this is like my piece of advice is like, don't be afraid to be ugly. I feel like <laughs> social hard. media is that also, is, social media is what we need. And also social media is kind of our downfall mm-hmm. because you want to look perfect. You like, you want to look like all these people. But some of the funnest times I've had in drag was in my ugly stages of drag (laughs) and sometimes i miss that i'm like don't be afraid to be ugly don't be like so perfect right out of the gate have fun with it and then you can kind of really figure out who you are as a like your persona and drag figure out what you want to do and emulate and you know just have fun and also it might sound so corny like you know one of those signs you see in a doctor's office but like be yourself Like, Mm -hmm. please, because we have been around many of, like, new coming performers that are, like, trying so hard, and it's noticeable. It's like, just take your time Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, talk to people. If you vibe, you vibe. If you don't, you don't. And, you know, it's better to have somebody to be comfortable around you rather than to be that person in the dressing room that nobody wants to be around because you're doing the most and mm-hmm. trying to please like 50 people on cast at the same time. So it's like, just be yourself. Just be chill, <laughs> please. Because the moment you start talking my ear off, like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay, you know, I, I'm gonna be real nerdy here, but something that's like a secret weapon that I try to use like when I'm kind of nervous, I don't know like what to do. Look for drag shows that have a specific theme. There are themes of drag shows that are so random, you know, there's like, you know, movies or, you know, Twilight or something like that. If you find something that's a specific thing that you like and you go to this drag show, more than likely you're going to find like-minded individuals like yourself who have similar interests. And then you can kind of make connections like that. I just did a show recently that was the theme of the Birdcage movie, which I already (laughs) said I love. Uh And I met so many people. It's like, oh my God, these people also have a passion for this movie that I thought I was the only one that had. And I just made some new friends there. So look for those theme shows and then you can find nerds like you. Oh. That is actually really good yeah, advice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, keep that. Turn that up. We should turn that yeah. specific part. Up. I do want to add on to Tenderoni's point of what they said earlier. Open stages for drag performances, I think, are very important because 
you get more experience by doing and if you do something like you're not going to get booked right away when you're an amateur or just starting off so i think getting the most practice you can really helps out a lot because it's non-competitive being in front of a crowd of people on a stage is a crazy feeling if you've never experienced before and you think you're about to remember your choreo that you have in your mind, <laughs> it is not going to happen. You have to I like, that. you have to like, rem- like have that feeling, like experience what that is. And then you start making the motions to get through it. So you don't get like cut up and black out and you're like, Oh, that's over. And you get to enjoy it. I feel like something I've learned from burlesque is really being present in the moment and enjoying what you're doing. Because once people see that you're enjoying yourself, they're like, Oh, I can go with this. Yeah, I'm watching them having a good time and it makes them have a good time. If you're not having fun, they're not going to have fun. Right. They're just yeah, like right, stressed yeah, yeah. the whole time. Like, oh, my God, they're exactly. going to kill themselves. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> if we've seen it happen uh, in real time. So is are things like the open stages and you were you know, you talked about these theme nights. Is it is that something you find readily available in Chicago? Something Chicago does well from your experience starting off and then be getting to the place that you are do you feel supported by other drag queens and by these venues to have the opportunity to do those things i feel like open stages really had a moment and Mm -hmm. unfortunately now there aren't as many but themed shows absolutely there's kind of always something happening with that but open stages now they're kind of like a scarcity so if you hear about something definitely take advantage of that Mm-hmm. And if you need a few, uh, I know that there is Fresh Faces at Hydrate on Fridays, hosted by my sister, Bambi Banks Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, there's also Survivor at Fantasy. They, but oh, they, those they are competitions, them. though. Really? Oh, you yeah. mean like open? Just like, oh, open, just come like, show? Just oh, baby, those, those, those <laughs> are gone. Those are gone. Nothing, you can't do competitions <laughs> those as well. But they're gone. I think that Query it is gone. the only yeah, one. right now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. Well, before that, we had feedback. That's where yes. I met you. Oh, my God. Yeah, they gone. Is this, <laughs> is this something that the performers might do is try and create more of those opportunities for, you know, up and comers to have a place to perform? It would take a very special loving person to come up with an mm. open stage because it's about the budget. Yes, it's about the budget. <laughs> that part. Mm-hmm. So you would have to, you know, sacrifice a budget. You would have to ask a club to sacrifice a time slot mm-hmm. that maybe not might bring in as much money on a regular night. Yeah. So it's definitely t- would take a little bit of negotiating um, the right venue, the right person to kind of figure that out and it's honestly worth now that we're talking about it, i'm like maybe we should do some more you know research and work to get some more of those because Absolutely. i think that's mm-hmm. the only one in the city yeah what they say well then i'd love you know obviously we've talked a lot about you know the support that the community in chicago has for each other the information you communicate you know you encourage people to come and observe and enjoy and learn and join in but obviously, you know, every city is in every neighborhood, every town, everywhere you go, there's going to be challenges for being a part of the community. And I think especially in the last few years, you know, you said you started doing drag, Chloe, you started doing drag in 2018, then it feels like it's been so long. But, you know, inevitably, we always end up talking about the pandemic because it affected how a lot of people, you know, especially artists are able to create and perform their art, money disappeared, you know, resources disappeared. How have things changed? What are the challenges you're facing right now? So I feel like during the pandemic, we were all kind of still busy doing online things because for a minute, we didn't know how long this was going to last. So for like a while, maybe like a couple of weeks, I would say, uh, we were doing online like shows, producing videos and doing this music videos and tips from those would like, you know, they'd be pretty good. But after a while, it kind of just died down. And then before we knew we were a year into the pandemic and then we were two years into the pandemic and still doing this and like that kind of died down. So when everything opened back up, it was kind of like a boom, like everyone was so ready to come back. Everything, everything was flooded. There was like a million other drag queens that came out of nowhere. There was venues that were just putting on shows. And I feel like we kind of rode that for a while. And now we're at where we're at now where venues are like closing shows or ending shows or venues are closing down. And it's just like very uncertain, like what could happen, especially us leading going into like the winter months where everything usually slows down normally. Mm-hmm. And now it's like closing things. 
So it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> I always refer to Chicago drag as like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Uh-huh. It's a very mm-hmm. it's a very different, very uh, different landscape of drag. I was very fortunate that my drag career kind of thrived during the pandemic. I did a lot of digital drag and I won a pageant over the pandemic. So Yes, I, you did. <laughs> did yes. Drag, uh-huh. drag queen of the year. Drag queen of the year 2021. Right. Um, and the downside to the pandemic obviously that it's a pandemic and COVID and people are dying, (laughs) dying, not to be laughing, but you know, the pandemic is the pandemic. But the upside is that the audience for drag got so much wider because it gave so much accessibility to people who couldn't come out to clubs, people Mm -hmm. who are underage, who can't go out to bars, people who have never seen drag before. My family was able to see me perform because, you know, my family doesn't live here. My family doesn't go out at midnight. So (laughs) it just, it, Digital drag just gave us this different landscape of drag. And my career grew from that. And I found myself before the pandemic being someone who was booked in Chicago. And then after the pandemic, I I don't know how I became this role model. So it's like I had this a bigger name after the pandemic. And everyone was like, oh, Uncle Roni. Like, <laughs> call me all of these. <laughs> Grandpa Roni, Theo Roni. And I was like, well, how did I all of a sudden become this leader in Chicago drag? It's like I, I started one thing and then and it's like you graduated over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely been a different landscape because it's definitely so much more there's so many more drag shows that came out Mm -hmm. after the pandemic and there's so many more young performers that came out during the pandemic oh my god 21 year olds (laughs) and i'm just like oh my god maybe i am a grandpa (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like you have to relearn how to do drag in Mm -hmm. that atmosphere because it's like there's like older performers who know one way of how chicago drag is and then there's younger performers who know another way of how drag is Mm -hmm. and blending the two without having a fight (laughs) is what we're in right now now. <laughs> is there a difficult generational gap happening right now then definitely yeah oh for sure i mean i feel like back when i mean i came out obviously like camilla was out and we had other like very strong contenders that were like eating it you know it was like also a smaller pool in a way mm-hmm. uh because they who shall not be named um, had a very interesting grip uh on how people were spread out and so it was like this tiny pool that everybody was fighting to get into. And then pandemic happened and then it was like Tenderoni said, it kind of opened up a gate for everybody to be seen. And so that way when it was over, there was this hunger for everybody mm-hmm. to have a show, to be in a show. And like it opened up more, especially because Drag Race had blew up even more, yeah. you know, and it became even more mainstream. And so now it gave multiple opportunities to so many people, but when you do that, it's now the pool is so big, it gets to be overload. And like now you look and it's like drag race is on every five minutes. Yeah. And so now it's become oversaturated. And so now you're trying to like get people re-energized with the idea of drag. And then you're also sharing, you know, spaces with a lot of younger people. And so now that, you know, we've kind of been over that hump and now we're like, introducing in these new kids there's so many new kids and mm-hmm. so now it's like tender set we're trying to like learn how to coexist with each other but also still allow them into the space but also still keep space for ourselves as well yeah i mean it seems like you know the idea of the world getting so much bigger and so many more people performing and being a part of it is both a positive and a negative thing and that one there's so much more to see and there it's it's so much more open and mainstream and more people are giving the op- being given the opportunity but then it's so oversaturated it's difficult for anyone to come in and necessarily build their career it seems and with the venues closing left and right the spaces yeah. Yeah. that we have to create for ourselves and even the community is just like dwindling so mm-hmm. now we're just all fighting for real estate that is like hard to even get because all these clubs have their go-to people they have their go-to pool yeah. and so now it's like well what the hell do we do now you know <laughs> so, so i gotta go a little far out you know what I'm saying? <laughs> catch me on the south side you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've mentioned the venues a couple times, and we we have venues. You know that I, we are known regularly as places that offer opportunities for great shows in Chicago. But I guess I'm just gonna flat out ask, what's going on with these venues? You know, why have you seen them closing? You know, how has this affected you and made this so much more difficult? I think a lot of it's to do with money. That's what it always comes down to: is money. A venue 
you know, that we all know said that it was student loan repayments being started again as a reason why they had to, you know, end a show. But I just feel like there's a lot of things. I think money is a big part of it right now. Maybe people have not been coming out as much as before. Going back to what we were saying, how everything's so oversaturated. I think maybe we've got to a point where it shouldn't be, it's not fair for me to assume, but like maybe we got to a point where everything was just too available. There was too much going on that people just like kind of just like lost interest for a bit. And now people are realizing that this is happening. So they're like, Oh shit. Like other places aren't getting supported because we're not coming out as much or like, you know, yeah, I was tired of going every week, but I don't want it to end. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do think that the mindset and, you know, the way people's routines are have changed a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's funny because it's not just happening to us. I've spoke to, you know, some of my girlfriends over in New York and they're like, we kind of see the same thing, too. Like everyone's kind of changing the way that they, you know, operate. And we're seeing that in real time, you know, like you can go out on used to be lit on a Monday, Mm -hmm. you know, we used to club hop from like three different clubs on a Monday. And then like from that point, I think the only dead day we had was like a Wednesday. But nowadays it's like, you know, maybe a Saturday, you know, like everyone's changing up a little bit and it's something we're all still trying to figure out, but we notice it. So I think people's mindsets are changing a lot. I, I think that's good. We're like still trying to figure it out. We don't we don't really yeah. have an answer for it's it. It's kind of in limbo right now. Uh-huh. It's definitely there's a lot of stuff up in the air. I think that people approach drag in a different way now. And I think it's hard because you want to remain relevant without becoming like every man for themselves type of mentality. Mm-hmm. But I just think that people or businesses need to think about, you know, with time, there's evolution. And you sometimes changes and sacrifices need to be made. And um, I think on both sides, people need to think about that. And it's just a hard pill to swallow, but it is what it is. And I think that it's important, like as a drag performer, that you're strong in your skill set. You know what you're good at, (laughs) you know, like have something that you're good at so then you don't become replaceable. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that is such good. Yes, absolutely. Go back in the advice section. You have to make yourself irreplaceable in a lineup. As a, a show director, when you're putting a lineup together, you're like, okay, I want someone who's going to bring in good energy. I want someone who's going to bring in like a dynamic performance. I want someone who's going to bring in this or bring in that. When you're putting a show together, your like name should be on top of people's minds. Like, oh, absolutely. I need Tenderoni. That's going to be like an amazing drag king. I need, you know, Chloe Kool-Aid, who's an amazing performer, dancer, beautiful to look at. Like you, you want to be on people's minds when they're booking a show. And that's how you have job security. Yeah. Cause it is, I mean, it is a job. Mm-hmm. It is your job. I mean, it's, it's all, it's a little bit sad too, because I mean, like it or not, drag is a queen sport. Drag Kings is like a subculture within a subculture. And some of the changes that are happening in Chicago, it's like there are no shows that consistently book drag king every single week anymore. So it's definitely something that is a concern mm-hmm. and something that hopefully can come to a resolution soon. Have you had to try and come up with or think of ways with venues closing? I mean, is it forcing you to come up with other opportunities on your own for per- continuing to perform? I mean, obviously, you know, the idea is you should be getting paid to perform. You should be getting hired and paid to perform. But I'm sure if a venue closes and you've lost a show, you don't want to just stop because you don't have that stage anymore. Yeah. I've had two meetings this week with different <laughs> venues. <laughs> it's all about networking. Yeah, yeah it is it's absolutely exactly. all about networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to see, you don't want to stay stagnant. If like something happens, the show's ending, fine. You know, you feel your feels and then you move on and then you find what's next, what's going to be good for you. I had two meetings this week with other venues and I'm like following up with those and hopefully, you know, I'll have two new shows very soon. Period. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but also don't be afraid to like do business with these people. If they want you. Chloe is a business really woman. want go, you. Go ahead, Chloe. Okay. Then they will be willing to do whatever it is to get you. Like, you know, I just started something which I announced today in River North and I will be making sure they signed a contract. 
you know, because mm-hmm. I need to make sure that my job is secure. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if I'm bringing you business and I'm making sure your business is thriving, then I need to make sure that my business is secure yeah. <laughs> when I show yeah. up. Because nothing is worse than waking up in the morning and hearing things like, oh, we had to shut down or, you know, um, we had to bring your show to a close after this month. Like nobody wants to hear that. So I say, if you can, business tip, make sure your job is secure. Do what you know how to do. If it's not a contract, find another way to solidify it. Even if you got to write that shit on the napkin, like, (laughs) you know, do something to make sure it's secure. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, the entire, everyone loves the the creative performance side of it, but there's the entire business aspect of promoting yourself. You have to be a business person. Yeah. And don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like, I think a mistake that young performers make is like coming out the gate and having drag be their first job and thinking that they're going to be doing it full time. It's like, I needed some life experience before I did drag. Mm -hmm. Like I had a full like (laughs) career before I did drag and I learned life experience. I learned how to work customer service. I learned how to work in a team i learned how to be dependable and those are all skills you need to be a a drag performer and a drag producer so young performers get some (laughs) like my advice is to get some life experience in that end before thinking that you could do drag full-time because it is a roller coaster and there's there's times when you're up and there's times when you're down and Mm. you need to be able to balance all of it yeah yeah, I, I'm fortunate enough that I do get booked pretty regularly uh, throughout the city, but I refuse to make drag my full-time job because it scares the shit out of me a- after what we just been through. Like, I still have a day job. I work at an elementary school with uh, special ed students and I balance all that because drag brings me so much joy and it gives me like a control of like what I can do, how far I can take it, where I want to go with it. But, and I get health insurance from work, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's on to something. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) To give that up and do drag full time just like scares me so much because I don't know what's going to come next. I don't know what what can happen, Mm -hmm. but I don't limit myself with where drag can take me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of the business side of it is leaving yourself open for those opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. I'd love to hear, since we've talked about sort of drag in Chicago and especially things up and coming artists should know, are there any up and coming drag artists that you are familiar with right now that you think people should keep an eye out for in places you could see them? I'm a little biased to this one. And she is my niece. Her name is Ziggy Banks. She, uh, I remember the first time I saw her perform. It's like, like I said, it's so weird being on the other side. Like I was watching her in a competition and you know how you look at someone and you could just tell like, you're a star. Like you can just see the trajectory of their career before, you know, they even see it. And so like, for me, I love to talk about her because every time I watch her, I'm like reminded what a good performer is. And it's not always about like the dancing you can do. It's not about like how you look. It's just about how you feel and how you project that to the audience. And I have watched her with an awe face from start to finish. And it was like Jill Scott. I remember the song. It was Jill Scott. And I said, I know your young ass ain't doing Jill Scott. (laughs) But like seeing that, like hearing music that I grew up with, listening to like my parents, you know, play that and to see someone perform that and to feel that. Like, ah, I just... I love her dearly. So Ziggy Banks. Ziggy Banks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Well, you know, without having to delve too deeply into the world of national and international politics, we're all keenly aware of the difficulties facing, in particular, the queer, trans, and drag communities, and the staunch stance that has needed to be taken to stand up and for and protect rights. And a lot of the time, what we get in the media are the argued negatives about drag. And those are the things that are most sensationalized. Those are the ones we hear the loudest. But what I'd love to hear from you is, you know, as three performers from different backgrounds and different styles of performances and characters that you've, personas that you've worked so hard to craft, from the positive side, what does drag bring to the community? You know, why, how does it positively impact us and what does it teach and the, what is the positivity of growing up with it or or even discovering if you've seen people discover it early earlier in life? Why is it necessary? Not why is it bad? Why is it necessary? So I actually just finished a five-week workshop with the Chicago Public Libraries where I taught a drag makeup, like eye makeup to students 13 to 19. So they signed up once a week. The library supplied all the things that they needed. And I taught them how to block their brows, draw on a new brow, put on lashes, you know, do a cut crease. Like I taught them how to do all that. And like, 
what I took out of that is that young people, I mean, queer people are all ages. They're, they don't just pop up when they're 18 years old. They start from a child and like for them to see like uh, role models and things for them that are just for them to try and they can experiment in ways that they don't get to at home where they can learn a new a new skill like drag. Drag is its own beast of makeup that you're not going to learn at the at the counter at Sephora. You know, drag comes from experience because it's like creating an illusion, creating shapes on stage meant to be lit like and you look good. And I think that it was very special to me to see like like little 12, 13 year olds that wanted to learn how to do drag, do their makeup and, you know, and that they wanted to keep growing with it. It did suck, however, though, that an article came out about these classes and I was called like a pedo and a groomer by like the right wing conservatives. And I was just like, what the hell? You guys are missing the point. This is just a fun class mm -hmm. for kids to learn about themselves and like express who they are. Because I was that kid when I was younger. I wish I had a makeup class I could have gone to. Mm -hmm. I was doing things in my bedroom like hiding and, you know, or like just not not having a lot of information available to me. And I feel like now it's very special that kids do have that. For sure. I definitely will, you know, piggyback off that because we need drag as a way to express ourselves and to see kids. I mean, even like myself, like express ourselves through art mm -hmm. and just like, ugh, it just feels amazing. Like growing up, I, you was always asked, like, do you want to be a girl? Do you want to be a girl? And I didn't know what trans was until I got older. So I was just like, I don't know. Like, yes, no, like, I don't know. And then I discovered drag thanks to my mom showing me drag race. Um, with that, oh my God, I can express this part of myself and then, you know, just be chill. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like some people, they also use it as a gateway to discover more about themselves that they figure like, oh, maybe I, you know, am trans. And then they go mm -hmm. from there. So it gives you a way to express yourself before you know you figure much else out in life so i love that aspect about it and another good thing about it i will say <laughs> <laughs> is that uh we also in a weird way we also come activists from it oh you know yes. and it's like i never really thought being the kid that i was in school that i would be like the loudest person standing up for like you know what's wrong i mean what's right sorry what's wrong <laughs> and saying this is this needs to change and so on and so forth. But like drag, it's like you're already putting yourself out there so much that you get to a place where it's like, fuck it. You know what? Mm -hmm. I will say this. I mm -hmm. will call you out for being racist. I will call you out, you know, for not being a positive part of this community, you know, which we all have done at some point in our careers. And so that also gets you to come out of your shell more and to like fight for what's right and become somewhat of an activist a little bit. You yeah. don't look mm -hmm. to be a role model, but mm -hmm. you become one. You know, yeah. you don't look to be an activist, but you kind of become one. So that's also the positive part of drag. Well, I imagine you can't demean the a younger person seeing you mm -hmm. be loud and seeing you, you know, say your, give your, give your opinion and, and stand up for what you believe in. And exactly. then they, even if they're not going into drag, they say that person is, is doing what they believe and they're, they're standing up for themselves and they're being who they want to be. So that it's, yeah. it's nice to be able to see someone do that. You know? Yeah. Cause I went to a show and, you know, I'm very proud to be black and Mexican. I'm very proud of that. But like coming onto the scene, I didn't know the dynamics of how things work. And I saw a show where everybody was so just like proud to be black and proud to be themselves and unapologetic about it. And I said, hold on. Okay. I have space in this world. I have space in this community mm -hmm. and I have space in this club. And I own that now, you know? So like, that's what I learned, you know, through the power of drag, you know? So that's a good part. Kind of to piggyback off of them as well, is drag for me has definitely been a place to find my identity, a creative outlet, especially as a drag king. Like I said, there's not as many resources for drag kings as there are queens. I travel a lot for drag and there's some gigs that I've done where people's like, I've never even heard of a drag king before. Mm -hmm. And I've been like people's first introduction to drag kings. And it's really special for me because it's like, it opens up a, a gateway into a, a new genre of drag that some people have never seen before. And like Chloe was saying, drag is like a lot of trans men's first step into realizing they're trans. And like what Camilla was saying, like doing drag makeup is like the transformative mm -hmm. part of doing drag makeup is a lot different than just like a regular beauty makeup and that's definitely a skill that I mean you have to learn and the fact that she's providing it for younger people is so important because it's like 
where else are they going to get that from? I was even trying to, I was fighting people on Twitter for her. <laughs> yeah, I got my friend down there. I was like, don't be talking about my friend like that. <laughs> okay, don't come for none of us. But like, that's also happened to me. Like, I performed at Lollapalooza once and then got all this big coverage. And then the same thing happened to me. All these like weird right wing people are like, groomer, pedo, all this stuff. And I'm like, really? <laughs> because mm. my, if, I'm, if I'm in a sea of straight men, <laughs> there's nowhere where I feel more uncomfortable. <laughs> right, <laughs> Not yeah. at a drag show. <laughs> So, yeah, we were arguing with the person and they're like, oh, why can't they have a plumber or a carpenter teach a a, a class? And I'm just like, if you look at a a registry, you're going to see plumbers and carpenters on there, not drag queens, you know? But anyways, drag for me has been such a creative outlet. It's helped me with my gender. Like, out of drag, I'm a butch woman, but in drag, I'm a feminine man. So it's like very much (laughs) like a a flip-flop. It's very funny because my girlfriend's like, how are you wearing more makeup than me now? (laughs) Very weird, but... You know what? It's opened that side to myself where I'm like, I I kind of like being pretty. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I like being a diva, and it's it's just something that it shouldn't be shunned or frowned upon. It's just like a way to find yourself. Yeah, it's just fun. It's yeah. fun. Like for the love of God, we are like, <laughs> you know, you can't afford Beyonce. Go watch somebody else put a wig on and do it like for free. In the club. Exactly. Like, it's supposed to be fun. We are literally lip syncing music. Like it's. Not that serious. One of the things I loved that we had at Midsummer Fest this last year is we just uh, we had a, a stage specifically for as much drag performance as we could get on there. But then we just had drag queens walk in throughout the festival, just, you know, essentially perform how you want to perform, do, you know, engage with the crowd, just be you and go throughout the festival. And we I mean, have you found that at least maybe in Chicago or in events recently that you have seen maybe even families, you know, come to these events more or engage with these events more? We do drag queen story times around and I've loved seeing how many people show up for those events with younger kids, you know? Yeah. Oh, you definitely see families. I mean, you don't see it as often because, like, you know, we're working in nightclubs all right, the time. Right. But, like, you know, restaurant gigs or, you know, street festivals, we do run into, like, a lot of, like, families and younger kids. And it is so beautiful because it's, like, they are being exposed to things that, you know, not necessarily that we were closed off to because, you know, I mean, I had good parents growing up that were like, okay, you know, you can see these things. But, like, in this time where we're at now, a lot of those kids are being sheltered from that. And so to see these kids get exposed to this art form at such a young age, I make sure I always go to the parents and I say, thank you so much, you know, because, you know, you're allowing them to experience so much of the world that they're being closed off to by society. So it's beautiful. It's also, honestly, it recharges and a battery in me to be a performer because it's like, oh, this kid is probably going to grow up and say, I saw a drag queen when I was six and I want to be one too. You know what I'm saying? So it's beautiful. It, it lets you know that your art expands past just adults it goes to the younger generation as well and that your impact really does mean something yeah yeah i think uh going back to those makeup classes i was doing with the library i mean every kid there was being dropped off by their parents and their parents are so excited that they were like there was something offered to them they would just take pictures and yeah i think it's really special when you see like families taking a part in their child getting to know themselves exploring themselves and seeing what's out there. Also, my mom was at the last show oh, at Queens. Sunday Social. Stunning. <laughs> oh, she looks so good. So that, <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, my mom's come out to my like shows before. Uh, when I used to do pageants like 10 years ago, she went to my pageants, would sit through those six-hour pageants. And uh, she's kind of always supported me. So I'm, I'm really lucky for that. Yeah, through the summer, through Camilla's connection, actually, I did a bunch of drag story times at oh, the libraries. Yeah. And it was so fun. That was the first time I've done that. I've always been a little bit scared to do drag in front of kids. And not because yeah. it's like inappropriate, but I'm just like, They're kids truthful. Kids are truthful. Yeah. They, they are not going to hold back. So if you're trash, they're going to be like, you're trash. <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> luckily, it was so sweet. The kids, I even had some parents come to multiple ones. <laughs> and... I can't tell you how. I felt like the president. People just hand me their babies. They're like, can you take a picture of my baby? I'm like, sure. Uh, Exactly. And like, I have a a bunch of things that like kids have made me at the drag story times. I have like a wall of like all the things. It's like so special to get like, you know, these gifts from these kids who are like so innocent and just like, just have joy from what you're, you're bringing to them. And it's like, like Camilla was saying, it's so important to have that 
encouragement from parents to be like, hey, this is normal. This is another aspect of entertainment. It's not mm-hmm. something that's weird or shouldn't happen. Especially in Andersonville, Andersonville vibes of doing drag here is way different than doing <laughs> drag in the city or in mm-hmm. Boys Town, yes. uh, North Halstead, <laughs> because mm-hmm. here is very much like family. It's a little bit more neighborhoody and grown up. So it's not like a crazy rager party vibe. It's like, hey, I'm just here having fun, chilling. It's a, it's different, but it's fun. It's like a different. It just shows all different aspects of drag. I think it's a little more casual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think that was something special that I had at the show before, where it was just like so casual. It was a neighborhood bar. People could walk by and just stop in and like watch the show, and it was like less intimidating. You know, it wasn't like walking into a nightclub and people are trash looking at lights. <laughs> it's kind of just like, it's like, oh, cool. We're all here enjoying this space and time with each other, watching this performance. And I don't know, it just, it's not the same as like somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you say, I mean, is that uh, you talk about performers or aspiring performers getting out there and just, you know, starting to work and starting to perform? I mean, with the type of drag you said you've done in Andersonville. Which, thank you for segueing us into Anderson. <laughs> but um, being different, it seems like it's probably an entirely different performance experience, too. If you've only performed at night at nightclubs on the stage, mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not going to be the same as walking into doing a drag it's queen story. Yeah, friends. it's definitely more of like an intermingling. Yeah. It's kind of nice because it's like less pressure. You can kind of be yourself. You know, sometimes when you're doing drag on a stage in a club, you're like, <laughs> I got to go. Like for me specifically, mm-hmm. I get anxiety. I get stage oh, fright. Same. And I'm just like, do. I'll perform. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go. Uh-huh. But when you're doing it in a place like Instagram, you're like, okay, I can just walk around, talk to people. Like, especially when at Camilla's show, that was the vibe too, you know, mm-hmm. you could perform, go get a drink, chill, perform, go, you know, just like a, it's less pressure and just more, just more chill vibes. Mm-hmm. A lot more vibey. And like, I would say like being in Andersonville, a big part of a show here, besides being on stage, is just like being present, uh, you know, in like mingling with people because they want to like meet you. They want to talk to you want to take selfies with you. They want to tell you how much they like your makeup. Like they, they want to experience getting to know you as a person mm-hmm. or as a performer. And I feel like that doesn't happen somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've definitely seen, you know, we've seen uh, the understudy has started bringing in a lot of drag performances on as part of their events. Eli T bar has been doing drag story times. And we've seen a lot of our smaller businesses who may not even necessarily have as much money to pay as mm-hmm. a club venue, making an effort to bring drag performance in. And generally, of course, it, it they're they're looking. They need something that suits the vibe of of their business, but yeah. also the the audience that they want to entertain, that they want to be able to enjoy the performance. Yeah, I think drag queen story time is like just so much fun. We did one over the summer where like they had a guitar and we started like singing songs. <laughs> and at first I was like very intimidated, like, no, you're not gonna get me singing in here. And then, after, like, and then we were all, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's also funny because when I when I do I only have one outfit that I use for the drag queen story time because it's like, what do I what can I wear that's like gonna get the kids' attention? And it's a power line cosplay outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a, a yellow neoprene power line costume. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's funny movie? because yeah. Yeah, the goofy movie Powerline. <laughs> it's funny thing is that most of the parents are like, "Is that Powerline?" It's almost like the parents are more excited than the kids. It's very funny, but it's also very hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's neoprene, yeah, Ooh. yeah. For stuff like that, I go dress like very princessy, like fairy tale, because. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to wear a corset for that. Exactly. I don't need to wear heels. <laughs> we're just, yeah, we're hanging out. Right. You don't feel as judged. Yeah, exactly. Know? The kids are just excited you're there. And you're like, wow, that's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> What's interacting with the parents like? Oh, the parents are great because they're the ones bringing them there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're all for it. They're probably more excited than the kids are. The kids are just kind of like, okay, you know, we're going to sing stories. We're going to sing songs, tell, like listen to stories. The parents are just like, yes, this is so much fun. Take my baby and take a picture. Like. <laughs> it's definitely different vibes in different neighborhoods too. Cause I've done some in like Lincoln Square and then I did some in Humble Park. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely different vibes from uh, neighborhoods and neighborhood. And it's just like a, like parents get super excited. There's a lot of sometimes there's gay parents. Like I had did one that there was like two gay moms and they're like, Hey, you're like us. And I'm like, I'm not a mom, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, but they're like, you know, it's just like, I always like to say this, like, lesbian nod. Like, when you see another lesbian and you nod to them and you're like, okay, those are my people. Like, That's a lesbian nod? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Diva. You're like, oh, hey. <laughs> so it's just like, you get to see this, like, collection of people. Even, like, I've had some with teen moms, too, where it's just like, people feel comfortable to come because it's like, all are welcome. Mm-hmm. It's a welcoming environment. Well, I didn't graduate high school, so I haven't got booked for it yet. So the what? <laughs> I said I didn't graduate high school, so I didn't get booked for it yet. I can barely read. <laughs> <laughs> well, then in, you know, and and I think one thing that I've seen with um, just other drag queens we've talked to and people that I've met performing around Andersonville is we've talked about you know the difficulty with venues right now, and especially these club venues who are generally the ones who are paying for performances. I've never discount the advice of just reach out and see if someone wants to host you for a performance. You know, even, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, you said getting needing to get paid for the for the performance is important and it's a, it is part of what you do. But if someone's looking for an opportunity to perform and they can't get into a club or a venue, you know, a lot of small businesses would love to support performers of you know, to just give them an, a platform or an opportunity, it seems, in Andersonville. Yeah, I've heard of like stages at Midsummer happening where like newer performers got a time slot to like perform on there. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Yeah. Last year, Midsummer Fest, Ariana DJ curated an entire stage of just uh, drag performers and DJ performers. And mm-hmm. of course, we we wanted to get as many drag performers on all of our stages as we could. And there is no lack of drag performers in the city. Like <laughs> right. that's the thing is that's the thing is you know it's it's Nine. it's it, like we you mentioned it's both you know a good thing and a bad thing. But the art is there, the work is there. You know it's it's not necessarily I would say I guess hard to go find and expose yourself to drag performance and learn this new art and enjoy it. Something cool that is actually happening at Replay in Andersonville as three Latin divas here. They have uh, one Tuesday a month. They have this show called BYOB, which is bring your own beans, drag loteria, Mm -hmm. which is Mexican bingo. Uh, My girlfriend actually works it and it's hosted by Valentine Adams in Ivory, the Lady Ivory. And it's just it's very chill. You just go there, you play bingo. I like it, too, because it's not I mean, a lot of drag shows are like you know, very alcohol forward or partying forward. Mm -hmm. This, you can just go order some food, play some bingo and leave. It's very chill. And then they perform too. So it's funny. They, they call out the, (laughs) the bingo names. It's in English. It's a lot of Spanish music. I do like it because, you know, Andersonville is not very Latin, but if you want (laughs) to go somewhere to go see something Latin, it's something cool Mm -hmm. you can go to once a month. And they always have like a, a performer there too that always does lines. I've mm-hmm. co-hosted it a couple times. I think Camilla has I've too. Have you? I've done it too as well with Val. Oh wow, exposed. Going on over Valentine. Start we're practicing your on Spanish. That. <laughs> I'm going to text. I don't have to remind y'all with another post again. <laughs> Next thing, go to mine. I was but it is, it is a very cute event, and it it's is a very lot of fun. yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Uh, and then go to Marty's after. <laughs> uh, you know, I have never been to Marty's, but I hear you I hear those Okay, uh, after your Thanksgiving Marty's. story, don't go to Marty's. Right. Let's go to that. We're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll have that conversation after we stop recording. <laughs> so, you know, besides going to see shows, you know, what are some things that people can do to show support, to provide some more support to the community? The parents supporting their kids that in their interest in drag or bringing them to like, those real louds or like the makeup classes, like that's all support that is very important to us because it doesn't, it doesn't ostracize us. It's like, like, oh, they're like some crazy person that should be ignored. Like they're celebrated. I mean, follow us on social media. Um, We're always sharing new things. I tell people all the time (laughs) when I host, when I start a show, I say that if you don't have money, it is okay. Because if it's one thing we love just as much as money is attention. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there is nothing better than waking up in the morning and seeing the same move from every angle in the building. It's like, I don't know how yes. y'all think this yes. is. You are but so I'm right. Use it. Thank you. So, I know that you hit it just yes. like. Yes. And then rule number three. I mean, well, two. Tip your host, too. Like, if a host is doing a good job mm-hmm. and keeping you entertained, tip them. They should not always have to perform for your bucks. Tip them. They doing a job. Tip them. Don't make me go down a hole. <laughs> and another advice for aspiring performers is use social media as your resume. 
Your Instagram is your resume. If you want to be booked as a performer, take pictures of yourself in drag. Take videos of yourself performing. If I want to book you as a drag producer and I go on your page and there's a picture of your cat, how am I supposed to know that you do drag? You know, <laughs> if you're with your cat in drag, that's cute too. You know, it's just like um, if you want to take drag seriously, you know, as something that you want to do, clean up your social media. Have one for your personal, one for your drag. Absolutely. Um, and. N name your Instagram what your drag name is Thank so it's you. easy to wow. find oh my god Thank you. Uh, label <laughs> label Jesus what you Christ. are drag king drag queen drag entertainer what like you're specializing just so it's easier for people to find you that's just a good advice period for social media if you're trying to grow mm -hmm. as like an influencer or something but like social media is good and bad because you know sometimes you can get sucked into it but as a using it for business for drag social media is your resume that's like what people use to be like hey let me book this person they look cool i also think it's important to list your city in your bio mm -hmm. so if you like you reach out to someone or like someone follows you like where are they from and you're like i don't know you know yeah. if you see that they're from chicago or they're like okay cool maybe i'll like i could see them out at a show next time and i'll keep like i'll keep an eye on them because something i think as a show director is you might not i might not book you for a show right away but i'm gonna watch you like keep an eye on you and see your growth and be like okay yes i think now you're probably ready to mm. take on like uh yeah you've cooked a little bit <laughs> and now you're ready for i think a show that i host does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to add two things to that. One, also being for my socially awkward girls. Um, use your social media as a way to also engage with your audience. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times people get very overwhelmed in a club and, you know, they, you know, start drinking or, you know, do other stuff. And it's like, you can still connect with people on social media. Like, there have been times I have sat down in my bed and have not gotten out of it for at least, like, a few hours but i have talked to half the people in the city and like you know they know where to find me or we just like creating some form of connection with the audience that you're building so use your social media to communicate like you don't have to rely on always being in the club to be there because when i'm off work i'm at home like <laughs> i'm not trying to be in the club because i'm tired but <laughs> you know i can still communicate with these people and talk to them and sometimes they'll be like where are you at come out like and you know you created that for yourself and then the second thing i wanted to add to that is don't compare yourself to everyone that's out when you first start it's so easy to get into the mindset of well they're doing this they're getting these opportunities and i see so many people come to me or even half of us and they're like well how come i don't get to do that or they're frustrated they're mad because they're not moving at the same progression as their peers or the people before them had did so it's like no everybody's process and journey is different like let yours build at its own pace mm -hmm. and then go from there so like don't get upset if you don't get the booking of your dreams after the first year like mm -hmm. let it happen take your time and it will come to you when the moment is right i think that goes back to be like genuine to yourself as who you mm -hmm. are as a performer because if you're just trying to be like the other girl that's having success mm -hmm. then what differentiates you from that other performer we want to see individuality we want to see what you bring because every performer in a lineup is going to add something special to that lineup and mm -hmm. if you're just doing something that someone else is doing then it's like well why don't we just get the other person then yeah also like as as show producers and drag i always challenge producers to when i cast a show i like to cast people who like you know people who are who have been doing drag for a while people who are known and then i always like to throw in a newbie in mm -hmm. the mix because then those new performers get the exposure and the the fans from all of these performers who've been doing it for a while and it's their introduction to them so if it's something that you know it might be someone who they would never see in another show and it gives people exposure i always like to think like there was always someone who gave me my first chance and i love to be that for someone else to so be like okay this person took a chance on me and gave me this booking in this high stakes show and opened me to this audience of people i would never would have been seen by before and then that's how you can kind of grow i mean i'm always biased because i'm saying this specific to drag kings because it's harder for drag kings you know to come up because it's just like so many queens so many queens all the time and it's always like one drag king here one there 
there when they're sprinkled. But um, I think when you mix it up like that, you allow people to get exposure at different rates. You can't expect them to get any better if you don't book them. You <laughs> right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, like, well, I'd have had the money for them I mean, shoes. When Give I them first, a gig. When, like. <laughs> when I first started doing drag, I was only allowed to be like the feature in <laughs> some of the girls' I numbers. I, I was only like the rapper or like, you know, the person that was with them. Oh, was, you're right. <laughs> or like the person, oh, the Missy Elliott. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> and yeah. then I had to prove myself and then they're like, oh, wait, this person can do a solo. So it's like, I'm always looking for someone who gave me that chance. I didn't realize that's what was happening. We have, uh, we did like a duet like way back in the day and it, w- it was what? Hey, check, ba- check hey up baby? on it. No. no. Oh yeah, it was Hey Baby. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. I need to see this. Revive it. <laughs> Please. I've done that. I've been the Jay-Z and Beyonce crazy yeah. love. <laughs> Wait, don't forget my favorite one is you and Detox when you do Mannequin. Oh yeah, nothing. Oh, my favorite now. one. I love that one. <laughs> See, that was a duet. That's different from a feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a duet was when both people have equal parts. Okay. That was one of my favorite performances. I don't know. If you're looking at Jay-Z and Beyonce, I feel like... You know, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's, it's yeah. growing pains. <laughs> Make sure your, your show is very diverse. I think Tenderoni added, made a good point about having new performers in there as long as with established performers. But like... Let's not forget drag kings, trans, uh, trans women, people of color. Uh, just you want to have a variety in there because it is very like common to see a, a lineup and it is all very white mm-hmm. and very cis. Mm-hmm. And like that is just not what you see in the community. I feel like lineups should represent what you see out in the world. So. Yeah. But also, you do a good job at going outside of drag. You also showcase burlesque performance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. you do burlesque too. Like, there's I so many burlesque forms I've seen so many burlesque people that I've never seen before through Camilla's show. Exactly. Yeah. And they will blow your mind. You're like, which one? Oh, they will. <laughs> burlesque. And you can learn so much from burlesque. Oh, performers. burlesque. Mm-hmm. Yes. Drag queens can learn so much from burlesque, mm-hmm. and burlesque can learn so much from drag queens. And there's like so much overlap in both genres that like they don't realize how similar they are until you're like in the same room with them and you're just like oh oh shit okay <laughs> they like mm-hmm. rhinestone outfits i like rhinestone <laughs> outfits yeah. what <laughs> well chloe camilla tenderoni thank you so much for being here with us and talking with us today you know i was really glad to be able to have this conversation and hear firsthand what you're experiencing right now the good and the bad so i'd love to know where people can find you uh chloe why don't we start with you socials venues upcoming events anything like that uh yeah so my socials uh another tip make sure all your names and everything is the same as possible <laughs> on all your platforms because i swear i'm trying to like find you on instagram and then find your Venmo, your paypal it's crazy um <laughs> so i'm chloe coulee on instagram twitter that's chloe with a k like kardashian uh as well as Venmo. As well as Venmo, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm also I'm all around the city. Honestly, like it's hard to pin me down. I used to be the Thursday girl, but you know Thursdays have changed drastically. Not new, you know, not the same anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, honestly, you could just follow my social and see where I'm at. So that's an easy thing to do. Or you can find me on Craigslist on page number seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will not mow your lawn, but I'll do other things for you. Um, but other than that, yeah, just follow me on socials. I'm always saying something silly, doing something fun. I'm just happy to have a good time. And if I have a show, I am promoting it. So come out and see me. I'm always about a good time. Camilla, how about you? Yeah, same. So there's a lot of change going on. So I don't know where I'll be when this is <laughs> going to be <laughs> I airing. That. I that. However, I do post all my events and things happening on my social media. So follow me on Instagram at Camilla.fox. I'll spell that out because it's <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> C-H-A-M-I-L-L-A dot F-O-X-X. So that's Camilla Fox with two X's because I'm extra AF. Period. <laughs> Yeah, and then follow me on Twitter. It's Camilla Fox. Venmo, thank you very much, Chloe, mm-hmm. is Camilla Fox. <laughs> and yeah, I have a Facebook if you know you want to be friends on there too. It's also Camilla Fox. <laughs> What's Facebook? It's what like that, that? Yeah. prehistoric. It's, That's my space. It's where, <laughs> it's where all the Thea's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tenderoni, where can people find you? 
you can find me at tenderoni88 on Instagram. That is the year I was born because I am what? Old AF. You do not need to find me on Twitter because that's just where I complain. And um, for venues, you can find me hopping around Chicago at different places, whatever will take me. And um, actually, I have something locked in for the new year. Drag Kings, please listen to this because I will be judging the Survivor All Drag Kings edition at Fantasy Nightclub. Okay. So please come because we need more Drag Kings in the city. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, everyone. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. This is so much fun. (laughs) 